COVID-19 has accelerated our use of technology. How we work and where we work has all potentially changed forever. And this presents a once in a generation opportunity. Virtual reality, augmented reality provides like a bridge between the physical and the digital. And we've all had to experience what a digital way of interacting is like. And there are real benefits to that. And there are benefits that people want to lock in. So some of these ways that people are experimenting with that, that's really putting in the, the lessons that they've learned from the pandemic and taking it forward into the future. This is Beyond the Capital from Supertech, a new series that explores the future of technology in the world of work. Our focus is the tech scene that's flourishing outside of London. I'm Hilary Smith-Allen and I'm involved in the technology adoption agenda and passionate about opportunities across the UK. In this episode, we're exploring how virtual and augmented reality are changing the professional services landscape. We spoke to two guests. Spencer Welch is the commercial director for Birmingham-based VR company Holosphere, and Thomas Toomsey-Smith, who's head of innovation and digital regulatory standards at the Financial Reporting Council. Thanks for joining me today. Could we start with you briefly explaining your roles and, and how you fit into this conversation? Spencer, if I start with you. Sure. I'm Spencer Welch. I work for Holosphere VR. Uh, we're an immersive technology company, an extended reality company, I guess is, the, is the, the latest nomenclature for it. I'm the commercial director there, responsible for everything to do with new business, strategy, and uh, looking at new technologies and how we can help customers utilize that in their daily world. And Thomas? I'm Thomas Timothy Smith. I am Head of Innovation and Digital at the Financial Reporting Council. So Financial Reporting Council is the um, regulator for accountants, auditors, corporate governance, uh, corporate reporting. So I work in the lab, which is our sort of innovation uh, and best practice space. And we've been looking at virtual reality, augmented reality as, as a part of a sweep of projects looking at technologies that we think are going to be important for the future of corporate reporting. So looking at things like blockchain, artificial intelligence, structured data, video, and then most recently, VR and AR. Right, let's start there. Terminology, maybe Spencer, this is for you. What do we mean by AR, VR, extended reality? Yes, there's, uh, there's, uh, there's quite a few terms now. So I think we have virtual reality, VR. And that is generally with a headset on where the, the whole world is is um, uh, is a whole digital version of the world around you, so a meta universe. Then we have uh, augmented reality, and that's generally, if you can think of something like Snapchat with uh, overlays uh, on things, you can use that for anything from data to silly filters on your, on your, on your face, so, and everything in between that. And then we've got mixed reality, and that's bridging the two worlds together. So being able to bring a, a table or a chair into your virtual space. Uh, so your, your headset, for example, would know where your table is, know where your chair is. So when you move the chair, the, it will move in the virtual world as well. And then I guess extended reality is the kind of an umbrella term now that brings all of those things together. Things are changing at such a rate and there's so many new different pieces of kits and technologies coming out that I think that is the, the, the umbrella term that, that covers uh, all of those things. And in you know, recent times, pandemic times, I think we've all experienced many aspects of that and uh, inappropriate cat filters and the like during corporate meetings. But Thomas, where, where does this then start to touch professional services and, and the corporate reporting? 
Yeah, so um, in our report, what we looked at was some of the the use cases, I, I guess, for virtual reality, augmented reality, and, and those those sort of in between states, so mixed reality and sort of three hundred and sixty video. Um, and what we wanted to to understand is both where it was being used now, and and mostly that's experimentation, um, and then where it might be used in the future. And we sort of used a model that we developed uh, when looking at how companies were using video to sort of provide some some basic ideas of of how how it might might work. So we sort of broke down um, the the use cases into sort of three buckets. So one is around sort of events based um, elements. So things like uh, where you're trying to tie to a specific event, such as a year end results or uh, AGM or you know, another kind of meeting where you're sort of trying to meet people in person and, and the virtual reality, augmented reality sort of replaces that. Um, insight where you're trying to provide, I guess, more um, kind of information and communication and, and sort of experience on that kind of emotional level than than you would do through a, a paper, paper document or other form. And then aspirational and um, narrative type experiences where you're looking forward to sort of a state that perhaps doesn't exist. And virtual reality, augmented reality, there are examples of each fitting into those sort of three three key categories. Um, and not just, you know, in the world of, of gaming or, uh, you know, manufacturing or, or other areas, although there definitely are those, um, but in professional services and professional corporate communications, these are sort of three areas where people are beginning to experiment. So actually happening now, I guess the last year has maybe accelerated interest. Yeah, actually happening now. And I think that's one of those really interesting points is, you know, virtual reality, augmented reality provides like a bridge between the physical and the digital. And what we've all had to experience, even the people who, you know, are a bit laggards when it comes to corporate reporting or technology or, or, or you know, being on the, being on the edge, you've had to experience what a digital way of interacting is like and there are real benefits to that and there are benefits that people want to to to, to lock in so um some of these uh, you know ways that people are experimenting with that that's really putting in the the, the lessons that they've learned from the pandemic and 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 taking it forward uh, into the into the future does that mirror what you've been seeing spencer Yes, it does. At the beginning of the pandemic, everything slowed down. So our existing uh, business kind of went very, very quiet, very quickly. But I think then as when people found their feet, started use, you know doing everything on Zoom, I think then they started thinking wider and, and you have pretty good uh, headsets now that aren't very expensive. Though. So um, Oculus Quests, Picos, et cetera, which are about three or four hundred pounds. So it doesn't really involve having this huge um, computer set up and, oh, and all this expensive kit now. So it's it's become very, very available. So we saw quite a big surge after about six months. Yeah. What types of applications then have you been involved with? So one interesting project we did with a construction company was being able to, uh, we created a, a collaborative workspace. Uh, and that would be take, taking a um, kind of drone footage and drone kind of LIDAR data of a, of a building site, pulling that into VR. So then you've got very expensive um, people that were probably housebound now because of the, the the pandemic, but generally are very expensive and very busy. So you've got architects, field engineers, project managers, et cetera, who are normally scattered all over the place. They delay um, projects very often by not being able to get to site on time. So we we, re- we replicated the, the building site and allowed them to sit around a virtual table, scattered wherever they were. 
and be able to move things around like diggers and 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 uh, and use it as like a, a planning tool. And then uh, that's saving them, you know, time getting to to site and everything. And then they then they were able to um, beam down to the site as it looked maybe six twelve hours ago, quite fresh data, and and jointly walk around the site and be able to solve problems, answer questions. Sometimes this might have taken weeks to be able to get them all in the same place. So that was a very interesting project. You're listening to Beyond the Capital with me, Hilary Smith-Allen. Please do rate, review and subscribe on your normal podcast app. And do get in touch if you have topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. To reach us, email us on hello at supertechwm.com. If you could do it physically, is that not better? I suppose that's the, that's the challenge and, and thinking about that in each of the cases you've seen is as the physical world perhaps returns and people do miss people, where, where then does this type of technology continue to fit in, in that, you know, ignoring the, the extreme times we've just been through? It definitely complements it. Sometimes there are things that you can only only do in person, but it's helped us realise all the things that you can do. And again, going back to the, the Zoom calls, people wouldn't have thought that would have worked for everybody and all these different organisations. It's exactly the same kind of thing there. So being able to reduce cost of getting people travelling to site or you know the, the carbon footprint of people getting there, just those things on their own. Yeah. Being able to handle um, really complex data sets inside an immersive world and then being able to output that data to, to real-world um, uh, systems. So, so being able to uh, update a BIM model, for example, which is used in, in construction. Building information. Yes, yeah. Uh, and then make those changes in the virtual world and having those have, have a real effect in the, in, the, in the physical world as well. And on the financial reporting? Yeah, I was just going to add to that because I think, you know, one of the, the, the key benefits is this kind of asymmetry of access um, that you don't necessarily get in, in the physical world. So, you know, a, a couple of examples of that, you know, um, investors are often invited or, you know, key individuals are often invited to come and look at a project. And that might be like a mine or that might be a, you know, a new wind farm or, or, or whatever. And it's costly and it's expensive and it's potentially it's quite dangerous if it's if it's a mine um and you can use the virtual reality relatively cheaply as well things like 360 video to kind of give people uh, an experience of that and you can do it not just for the five or six people that you know you would you would usually invite to one of these things and who can spend the time to to come all of that way you can do it for 50,000 people 60,000 people and and so some of the interesting examples we've seen in that kind of space are things like uh, Orsted are building a big wind farm in uh, New Jersey in, in the States, and they've created a virtual reality version of the wind farm. And so then if you're someone who lives in that community, you can go to the virtual reality beach and look at the virtual reality wind farm in the distance. And it gives you a sense of what will it look like? What will it feel like? And that that is both providing you know something that you you know, you couldn't normally do because it hasn't been built yet, but also it, it creates this sort of repeatable experience that you can provide to various stakeholders. So I, I think that's, um, you know, that kind of democracy that it allows is really, really important. And, and it's really crucial for the use case and the kind of cost benefit of doing something like this. Because if you're thinking about it for something that, you know, you'd, you could replace with 15 people turning up in a room, Depending on on it, it could could be cost effective. But if you're replacing something that has fifty thousand people, you know, being being in a in a kind of conference venue, that, that's that's very cost effective. 
cost effective and and like you say, the societal value of that, the democratization, but um and Spencer, you pulled on the net zero, which is obviously a massive agenda. What then are the risks that might be associated with the it all sounds very uh, desirable and attractive, but are there cases where this is not good or or could send down a path that's less in societal interest or what you know any examples? It's it's less really uh, a, a risk. But I guess the the loss of the human contact side of things, uh, being able to work in a business but in a social way as well. Uh, you can do that very well, uh, you know, in in VR and 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 um, and using um, uh, other communication techniques. But I think some people would 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 argue that losing that human contact is is maybe one of the risks. I would add to that as well. So I mean. Um, particularly in professional services and sort of corporate communications and that kind of end, you know, truth uh, is really important. So there is a fine line between showing something that exists or will exist and something that could never exist. And and there's, you know, you, you want to paint a picture, but you don't want to tell something that is going to be untrue if it is meant to reflect a future reality that will that will be in place. And so um, you know, when we've talked to, to investors and other users, they are, they're slightly wary, particularly where companies are using it and saying, isn't it great? This is what it's going to look like. And, you know, is it really going to look like that? Is it is it really going to feel like that? Is it really not going to have that kind of impact on the environment that that that, that they're showing? So, um, you know, people have suggested perhaps there should be some kind of virtual reality auditor that comes and has a look at this and make sure it's not, you know, um, virtual washing. You know, a bit like the kind of greenwashing idea. And and I think there there's an important aspect there about kind of communicating like the context when you when you're doing anything like this, being very clear what it's trying to show and what it's not trying to show and and giving people at least like the information about how it was produced when it was produced how it connects to other information that you that you might have um because people need to be able to understand um, and make their own judgment and um i think that's you know i think that's really important also just because we you know we we tried out a few of these ourselves sometimes and um, pretending on the headset as well. If you're if you're a bit motion sick, sometimes it can um, it can bring that on for some people. I think we call it VR sickness. But uh, I, I, some of the later hands, uh, headsets now have got higher refresh rates, so I think it tricks the brain a bit. You know, tricks the eye and the brain a bit better to stop you from feeling motion sickness. Normally, they they before they were running at like seventy two hertz, and that's not enough to trick your brain to think that it's fully real. So um, you, yeah, it will cause a little bit of motion sickness. But now a lot of them are are producing ninety hertz, one hundred and twenty hertz. So that should reduce that a little bit. But you will always get a couple of people who uh, who do get a little bit sick. Same as with travel. Oh, crumbs. I hadn't even thought about that. I mean, perhaps some of the results can make your stomach churn anyway, but if you're having it presented in a VR way, it brings a whole new meaning to that. Um, but you started to talk then about the technological developments and how things are moving forwards. If you're a listener or you're a small business owner thinking about, well, that's all very great, you know, very good. It's great for others, but what about me? What, what are the entry points? Where, where do you get started with this? One of my favourite things in in work in this field is when people have watching people that have never used VR before and then getting to see their reaction. So generally, I always say just try it. But uh, that that wow moment when they go, "Oh my god, I didn't realise any of this existed." That is just absolutely priceless and makes my 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 job worth doing. But I would always say it's not very expensive. 
give it a go. As I say, a low, lower um, end uh, head, headset like an Oculus Quest 2 or something, as I say, they're at 300 pounds. Uh, try that and it just generally starts it, it starts people's imaginations firing about all the things they could solve with it and and it, it it does the work on its own just by by trying it a lot of the time that's what i would advise as part of our project we, we were looking at stuff and, and we were using google cardboard and just a phone for for a lot of the experience certainly like the 360 videos and that's like 10 quid and you know having a relatively recent uh, mobile phone to, to 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 operate and it's not it's not perfect and it's not that high end experience that, that that you might get but it it starts to show you some of those possibilities and you know i've, I've got a a, a 6 year old um and, and she sat on the sofa pretending to be on a on a virtual reality water slide and you know she fell off the sofa so i mean it, it's it's good enough to trick a 6 year old which I think, you know, shows that it, it, it's quite accessible at quite cheap, cheap points. And um, particularly, you know, those thinking about creating um, some projects or, or dabbling, you know, we also had a look at some of the sort of off-the-shelf um, tools, which are getting more sophisticated. Um, and, uh, you know, for some who want to do some basic stuff, it's probably, it's probably not a bad place to pl- play around with. Um, so, you know, price points are coming in. Uh, equipment is coming in, and I think that's one of the like the key points from it from a use case as well. So it isn't you know your audience isn't limited just to all the people with headsets. Actually, anyone with a mobile phone can can kind of experience your your um you know your creation for many of the many of the types of opportunities that are out there. So where next? As a final question, where what are the limits of possibility? Where do we see the applications and technology going? I think in the in the next couple of years, I mean, you, you will have seen those kind of um, Google Glass things where they just, uh, I, I think they, they they shelved those, but there are lots of different projects um, uh, underway at the moment, Skunk Works, and I think even Apple are um, going to be, uh, it's rumoured they're going to be bringing out some AR glasses. I think there'll be a, a blending between uh, those big, you know, clunky VR headsets and um, uh, and those glasses, maybe a small set of goggles perhaps that have like really decent sound built built in so you can shut the world out if you need to but uh, you have um uh, but you're able to see through them and walk around and live your everyday life but with uh overlays of data um uh, with with everything that you're doing so that could be directions to to walking walking to work or or seeing you know what what your twitter feed's saying uh, some some people might not like that it might be seem really intrusive but being able to select any form of data that you want and and, and have it um streaming to you wherever you are in the world, whatever you're doing. And what about the work environment, given the future of AR, VR? Yeah, I mean, I saw something recently um, about how people were starting to experiment, particularly with this kind of new normal, which is going to be this like blended environment, sometimes working from home, sometimes working in a physical office, but using virtual reality sort of spaces to to merge those two together. Um so yeah, I'll be, I, I, I think that's going to be a really interesting opportunity. Absolutely. So you could have people um, sat in different offices all the way around the world, but all in your own home virtual office. As you say, it could be a, a, bit, a bit weird, but also, you know, it's, it's been able to have that, that, that community and that, uh, yeah, that office environment. That's a real head spinner, isn't it? For you know, Beyond the Capital is all about thinking about place and people and where innovation and, and new business creation comes from. But if it's, yeah, we say it's everywhere and nowhere at the moment, but it could really be nowhere and be completely artificial, yet have that very real feeling. I mean, 
wow, what a what a note to finish on. Thank you both for your time. I'm not going to attempt to, to speculate further on that. It's been absolutely fascinating. Many thanks. Thank you. Thanks. That was Spencer Welch of Holosphere and Thomas Toomsey-Smith of the Financial Reporting Council. You've been listening to Beyond the Capital podcast from Supertech, a new series that explores the future of technology in the world of work. Please do rate, review and subscribe on your normal podcast app. And do get in touch if you have topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. To reach us, email us on hello at supertechwm.com. <laughs>